So when we speak of love, we turn to 1 Corinthians 13. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I'm nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For now, we know in part. We prophesy in part. But when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man... I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now, we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now, these three remain. Faith hope and love and the greatest the greatest of these is love you've been to a wedding i imagine you heard that passage read it seems we have relegated it to weddings that's where it should belong but to just have this read at weddings misses misses the point we, we tell ourselves there's two famous passages in the Bible. 23rd Psalm, you read that at funerals. 1 Corinthians 13, you read that at weddings. But to say this is just for weddings lets us off the hook, you see. Paul is not writing a letter to a couple. He's not writing a letter to a wedding. He is writing a letter to the church. People like us. He has spent page after page and chapter after chapter telling them to be humble, telling them not to think too much of themselves, telling them to think about others first, 
telling them to work together. And then in this 13th chapter, his, his prose just soars. And yes, it, it can stand alone like a, like a song to love or a, a poem from Shakespeare, a hymn of love. But to say it's just for weddings is wrong. Because the fact is, he's not even talking about the love of a couple, you see. We're limited in English. We just have one word for love. I love my wife. I love a good steak. There are thousands of people, there are thousands of people, we can't understand this, who love the Cincinnati Bengals. We know it's not the same thing. I love my wife. I love a steak. I love the Steelers. But we're stuck with just this one word, love. In fact, when, way back when the King James Bible was written, they, they tried to make a difference. They didn't use the word love. They used the word charity because they didn't want it to be mistaken for this, this love that we confuse sometimes. But charity doesn't work today, does it? It's become cheap, that word. We don't want charity. And we think charity is just, you know, someone's ringing a bell at Christmas. We stick something in the, in the red bucket or we write a check to a, uh, you know, animal shelter or something. No, we're very limited in English. But when this was written in Greek, and you've probably heard this before, Greek has a number of words for love. That love at a wedding, that love of the couple is eros. That love where you can just stare at that other person's face for hours. You know, when Sherla and I were dating, we'd get to our favorite, favorite restaurant and they would say, the wait is 45 minutes to an hour and we'd say, oh, okay. <laughs> we'd just hold hands and look at our calendars and plan our future. That's eros. But that's not the word Paul is using here. He's using agape, which is a completely different love. Sure, when we sit at weddings, our hope, our hope is for that couple, that, that love will be patient and kind, that it will see them through everything, that it will never end. But Paul is speaking to the church. He's talking to us. And he's talking about agape, a self-emptying love, a sacrificial love. Agape, the love that ties Jesus to God the Father. A love that ties us to Jesus and to God. A deeper love. That is what Paul is calling the church to. That is what he's calling us to. And it is essential. So we should not relegate it just to weddings. No, it's for the church. Because he says, you can, you can be a great preacher. You can talk in tongues of men or angels. You can have faith. You can be generous. And all of those are good things. All of those are things, you know, we try in our life to follow Jesus. Jesus came and he taught and he talked and he told parables. But he did that because he loved. He loved those people. You see, without the love, it's just talk. 
That's what Paul's saying. And Jesus said to us, if, if you have the faith of a mustard seed, you can move mountains. But if you don't have love, you gain nothing. And sure, he said to the rich young ruler, the rich young ruler said, what do, what do I do, need to inherit the kingdom of God? He said, take everything you own and sell it and come follow me. But if you do that and you don't have love, it doesn't matter. Paul is saying that, that all of our discourse about theology, all of our ways of trying to figure out the Christian faith, if they're not connected in love, they're worthless. You know, we spend so much time, people say, this is, this is the way you are. If you're a Christian, this is the way you should be, and everybody should be like I am. And they don't have love. Or they say, that's the way you should be a Christian, and everybody needs to be a Christian like that. But they don't have love. It all breaks down. Paul said is, love, is, love is the glue. This, uh, this agape is what we need to survive. And then his prose just soars. Soars into that beautiful phrase of love is patient, it is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it keeps no record of wrong. Just beautiful image of what love is. But we know when we live in this world that love isn't always like that. I was overwhelmed Friday night. We, we went to the movies, and that was, that was fun, you know, to go to the movies uh, today. And I haven't been out very much, and it was okay. There weren't too many people, and we got popcorn. And it was good, and we went to see A Death on the Nile, an Agatha Christie murder mystery. And I was just going to the movies. But, you know, I'm a preacher, so this sermon was sort of ruminating in my head when I was there. And I was struck. That whole movie was based on love, but the dark side of love. You see, it's a murder mystery. They kept saying, love is a dangerous thing because you'll do anything for love. And it's a murder mystery, so I'm not giving anything away. You can, you can figure that out. Because that's the dark side of love, jealousy and envy and hate. And right in the middle of that movie, literally a character in the movie stood up and started yelling at the other one saying, Corinthians is a lie. And I'm like, whoa, God, I'm just trying to go to the movies here. <laughs> you know, give me a night off. Corinthians is a lie. It is not kind. It is not humble. It wants its own way and it fails. Whoa struck me in my heart because I thought, you know, we live among these people, right? When we see someone like that, we, we think, what happened to them? But we live among these people that think it's a lie, that their parents didn't love them, that their parents messed them up beyond belief, that they had great hope in a marriage and it failed and it let them down and it broke their heart and their heart is still broken. That someone in this world took love and hurt them with it and they believe it's a lie even if they sit at a wedding and hear it. That's why Paul says it's essential because we are the ones that need to tell them it's not a lie. 
We are the ones that need to show them that this is the truth, that this is the love that lasts. And Paul encourages them that God has given us this love. That's why we have a chance to do it. That's why we have a chance to live in agape, to live a life of love, because God has loved us first. And Paul says, cling to this because everything else is going away. You know, you might have great prophecies, but they'll cease. You might have great tongues, but they'll be stilled. Because we won't do it perfectly. That's what Paul's saying, that we just know in part. We're, we're looking in a mirror trying to get a glimpse of something, but that's okay. But this is the essential thing. This love is the essential thing that will never pass away. And even if we get it wrong, even if we stumble, it's okay because now we just know in part. We're trying to take, get a glimpse of it out of the corner of our eye. But this is what we should be striving for as the church. And it's essential for the church. It's essential for the world. This love that lasts forever. Paul says, when I was a child, I covered a shoebox in white and pink and red hearts and placed it on my desk. And all the other students put valentines in it. And I thought, that's, that's what love is. Oh, if it was that easy, but it's not. But when I grew up, I put my shoebox away and strove to live a life of love, loving this broken and hurting world as much as God loved it, loving the people around us, people around me that God created, living a life of love, grasping Stretching, glimpsing, because this is what is eternal. Paul says that someday, someday we'll know. Someday it won't be a glimpse in a mirror. Someday it'll be face to face. That when we come face to face with Jesus, we'll finally get it and say, Oh my goodness, this is what love is. This is what I've been striving for. This is what I've been living for. We as a church are called to first and foremost have love. And so often we fall short. To fall in love with God all over again. And claim it and grab a hold of it. And let it fill us so that that love might overspill out into the world. Because people need it. And it's the one thing. The one thing that will last forever. And it's the one thing that can change the world. It's the one thing that will deliver and save the world. Paul tells us that these three remain. Faith in God always. Hope that Jesus is coming back someday and setting this all right. Hope for better days and love. And the greatest of these is love. Amen.